0: This is a radio.com original. I love the the motorcycle is incredible. It, it maneuverability it's just fantastic feeling and and not having to worry about the clutch and all that and doing all that shifting is kind of fun. It's a different experience. You don't have that sound so it's really quiet and uh, you know, I can't wait to split lanes in Los Angeles cuz people <laughs> aren't going to be able to hear me coming and it's just going to be this whoosh. <laughs> <laughs> As I go flying by at a hundred miles an hour? No, I won't. I won't yeah. put no,
1: of course not. No, of course not. You would I never, would do, never that. do that. No, of course
0: not. Uh, no, that, would,
1: that would not be good. Not without a camera crew trailing you, so that way you have your excuse. <laughs> <laughs> Hey everybody, welcome. New edition of Talking About Cars here, where it's all about everybody has a car story. From celebrities, to car personalities, and more. In fact, first, a hello to the voice of Irwindale Speedway and Morning Gas on Facebook. Which, thank heavens, we are recording this in the afternoon. Don't have to deal with this morning gas. Yes, Hot Rod Bob Beck of the Great American (laughs) Auto Scene. (laughs) Joining us now... On the Talking About Cars phone, the hotline, uh, actor Robert Patrick. You know him from Terminator 2. He was T1. He was the liquid Terminator, okay? He was the guy that molten metal thing, and he'd reconstitute himself. He was also on one of my favorite shows, Why Is It Not On The Air Anymore, Scorpion. He played uh, Kate Gallo on that show, and we had a discussion once about, I don't know if you remember this, Robert, but the uh, 1971 Le Mans that they called the 73. And then we wondered whether or not Happy would be able to like rebuild it.
0: Yeah, and her father unfortunately had broken the law, and I put him away. Yeah, that was a, that was a that was a real heavy storyline. Yeah, Happy played a wonderful uh, car mechanic, engineer, uh, genius on the show. She was fantastic. Mm-hmm. But that Le Mans, what was it? It was a dark. No, Jade but, green or gray
1: or. I'm trying to remember. It kind of reminded me something of a gray. That they did it. It looked like to look like you would kept it in a barn. Yeah. And they called it a '73, and of course, all us car guys looked at it and went, "Nah, it's a '71." Yeah.
0: <laughs> it's so, so, come on, how do you make up mess up the year of a car? For that's what i And you're saying. a bunch of geniuses. <laughs> That's crazy. That's why the show's not on the air, I guess.
1: I guess so. Yeah, somebody saw right through that, sadly. But Bob Beck joins us, and of course, uh, Bob Beck is with us. He is uh, the voice of Irwindale Speedway. You two apparently know each other.
2: I was a love ride a few years ago. You let me on stage with you. I was there with the Road King Star Club, and we kind of talked. Your club was older and our club was faster, something like that.
0: Yeah, and I think we've other, uh, we have met. We might have met out at Irwindale. And Do you hang around with the uh, Top Fuel Dragster guys, too?
2: Yes, I do. Yeah, because you know, I've been I,
0: out there with Tony Schumacher, and I feel like I met you out there a couple it, times in, uh, uh, oh, my gosh. Where is it, Palmdale?
2: Yeah, uh, well, Palmdale, Bakersfield. Uh, yeah. I do the announcing for NHRA's uh, Nostalgia Series.
0: Yeah, so we've, we've met, uh, I'm sure we met through the Schumachers as well. I do remember the Love Ride, and the Love Ride is such a wonderful event. And uh, Yeah, it's, it's sad that's gone away. Well, I got news.
1: Uh-oh. Yeah? Oh yeah. Oh wait a minute. Oh. This might be this is breaking, breaking news.
0: news. Yeah. Breaking breaking news.
1: Okay, go ahead.
0: The love ride. November uh. tenth. Oh. Harley Davidson of Glendale is the starting point and the ending point is Harley Davidson of Santa Clarita.
1: Oh Which just by the way, you have a connection with.
0: Happens to be, I'm the co-owner of Harley Davidson of Santa Clarita with Oliver Shoku, who is the owner of Harley Davidson of Glendale and also the curator, or the creator, excuse me, the creator of the Love Ride. And he's decided to bring it back after a a couple years. We stopped at 33, so this will be 34, and we're doing a very limited 800 uh, tickets sold online. You can go to uh, theloveride.com. And uh, Backbeat Barbecue is going to be preparing food. And those of you who are in the know know who Backbeat is and um, it's going to be fantastic
1: wow is this out at all or are you just breaking it right here well i'm breaking it right here
0: and it is out and we do have the websites up and that's the only way you're going to hear about it is uh word of mouth website instagram social media that kind of thing so november 10th it'll be a local charity in santa clarita and i can't remember exactly which one it is but we are thrilled to have it back and bob Yes. It would be a thrill to stand with you on stage. Well, I'll see if I can break that out. Talk about it again, you know. Wow. I I just found the picture
2: of us on stage. It was 2014.
0: Yeah. That's about the last, uh, that was like the last one.
2: Yeah. Yeah, I was on stage with you, and then they had me do the stunt riders back in the uh, the back part of the parking lot.
0: Yeah, I think they had, uh, is that not the one, the Foo Fighters were the headline? Yeah, they were. Mm Mm-hmm, yeah. Yeah. So, um, exciting. We're very excited to be uh, to be doing it again in a limited fashion. And maybe someday it'll grow back again to the size it was.
1: How, again, how many people or how many motorcycles are you accepting for this one?
0: 800. And there's no cages. No cages. No <laughs> Road King cars.
2: <laughs> <laughs> You're not on a motorcycle.
0: You're not getting it. No, It's a no-cage
1: event. Ah. I like that. I like that. Motorcycles only.
0: Yeah. We're gonna discriminate. How about that?
1: Well if you're gonna say that you might as well say it on a car show. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Exactly.
0: (laughs) Exactly. Well the the love ride originally was just the
2: motorcycles. It wasn't for the last couple of years that they let the car club in and I have no idea why,
0: but I just said great, I'll be there. Well I think it you know (laughs) look, the, the two cultures overlap. If you love horsepower, you love speed. You love internal combustion engines. Mm-hmm. You know, racing—they uh, overlap. Most most guys I know that have a, have a high performance motorcycle, have a high performance car. You know, the speed junkies are speed junkies. You know,
1: I remember I actually participated in love ride. I I, I want to say something like ten. So it's been a while back, obviously. You,
0: you were probably before me, because I i didn't get in there until... Bob, I, I don't know if you were around, but I was around in 92... 93, I believe, is when I started doing the love ride. So you guys have probably already done it a bunch.
2: Yeah, no, actually, I didn't get involved with it until the Road Kings Car Club did. Oh, okay. And so I, I was a very short-timer, but... Man, It was great. I know my wife loved it, and she'd never been to anything like it. It was just an amazing event with all those people, and everyone just had the fun. It was a great uh,
1: gathering. I just thought it was so much fun, and then I got on the freeway and had to share one lane with 16 <laughs> motorcyclists, and I went, whoa, this is intense.
0: Yeah, it's an <laughs> intense experience. Well, <laughs> yeah. were, you in a, were you on a motorcycle as well, Randy?
1: Yeah, I was actually on a motorcycle uh I was a modest motorcycle guy. I had a, a Honda Nighthawk, which wasn't exactly on the same lines as a Harley, but still, yeah. just getting out there was a lot of fun.
0: Well, we, it's always been open to everybody, and and it's always been open to any any style motorcycle, any maker, uh, any rider, uh, and we're not we're not ever ever going to discriminate against. Uh, other motorcycle brands or anything, uh, but this event, yeah, no, no cages. Uh, it's all motorcycles only, and um, it's fun to get out there with a, a, a bunch of people and ride in a huge pack like that. But you're also, you know, you're you're aware of the fact that some of these riders aren't at the same level you're at.
1: Exactly, <laughs> that's that what's my worry.
0: <laughs> A real concern when you're out there on the freeway.
1: Yeah, because you're looking in your rearview mirror, you're looking in the side, you're looking everywhere because there's so many different combinations of things happening. It's not like just going down the freeway and you share a lane. I mean, it's...
0: Yeah, you know, Randy, and that's that's interesting because, you know, my my favorite riding that I do... And I ride cross-country, and uh, it's obvious I love Harley-Davidson's. It's the only thing I ride. And, uh, I, I, you know, I, I love going cross, across America. I do big loops every year. I go from coast to coast and back. And, um, and then I also ride in L.A. And it's, you know, it's obviously different styles of riding. I mean, in L.A., you're, 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 you're out there splitting lanes. You're very aggressive. You have to stay ahead of the speed of the cars. Uh, you've really got to be aware, you got to be quick to, to shift length. You can't you can't be riding around like, oh God, I'm overwhelmed. you can't you have to overwhelm the situation.
1: Absolutely.
0: And if you're not on top of it, you got no business being out there because really something bad will happen. And Bob you'll, you'll know exactly what I'm talking about. The funny thing is is when you're on, on top of it and you're fully aware and all your senses are going,' it's, it's great. But then when you're out and you're relaxing and you're just putting around, that's when I get into my most amount of trouble. Because I'm looking around, looking at the curves, you know. Oh, this is beautiful, isn't it? Oh, Jesus, I'm over the double yellow line, you know. Oops. I hate it
1: when that happens.
0: Yeah, especially going around a curve and there's a a pickup truck coming. Mm -hmm. So the rural roads can be... You underestimate him, I guess is the word, and that's where you can run into a lot of trouble.
1: Well, we know Robert Patrick is uh, also a car guy. Uh, I remember when we talked to you before on our podcast, and we talked about the cars you grew up in, and, and I believe you were talking about you had a Mustang in high school.
0: Yeah, well, I sort of my dad had a Mustang in high school. I should say I was in high school, and then I sort of just kind of pilfered it from him. And you know, my dad was super cool, and he kind of just let me have it. And I. It became my car, and I drove myself to school and had a fun. It was a 72, uh, oh, my God. I, I think I wished it was a 350 Windsor uh, or Cleveland, but I think it was only a 302. And I was not a big gearhead. I was more of an athlete. But I did love to race, and I did love to race. And, boy, in Detroit, when you're in high school, everybody's racing everywhere out there. And it was a lot of fun. But I used to get beat by, like, a 283 Ford Mustang. (laughs) How how does that happen? It just, I guess that guy was a better driver.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Where where were you in the Detroit area?
0: Uh, I went to high school in Farmington, Michigan. So it was Farmington High School. Uh, When I was there in the 70s, I graduated in 77, so there was a North Farmington High School, there was a Farmington Harrison High School and I believe Farmington is about thirty miles northwest of Detroit, if I got my bearings right. But we used to go downtown and you know, Detroit, it's the it's the motor city it's motor city muscle, man. It's Yeah. You know, at the time then it was Bob Seeger and Ted Nugent. And then that, <laughs> that rolled into Kid Rock and M and
1: So you eventually made it to Hollywood. Yes. And I I read on your IMDb profile, which I did not know this from before, but you actually went the Jay Leno route when it comes to (laughs) making a career. You lived in your car for a while. Uh, Apparently, he, of course, had his Roadmaster, so he had a lot of room. What kind of car did you sleep in when you were here?
0: Well, now, I had a Mercury Capri. Do you remember this car?
1: You slept yeah. in a Capri.
0: Yeah. Well, Those are tiny. They're very tiny cars. But these were the these were the bigger models that came out. I'm going to say they, they had that lift back. Right. Yeah. So about seventy seven, seventy eight. Yeah, that was the bigger than the Capri that you're thinking.
1: Okay. So and it had
0: a and it mine was all black. It had lime green pinstriping. It was clutch.
1: Is that the one that looked like a Mustang?
0: Yeah, they looked. They were identical. Same okay. chassis. Okay uh and mine was an automatic and i can't for the life of me remember the engine block and i had bought it brand new i was working in cleveland anyway i had that and and it had a lift back and it had cool stereo system in it and i put the the, the rear seat i laid it down and it had a sleeping bag and an american flag and i had i had enough room wow i had a, i had enough room I, I i you know laid back there and flip the other seat down. I mean, when you're when you're in your twenties, you can do anything,
1: you know. That's true. <laughs> now <laughs> this like, is this is a car story, you know, that you just don't hear every day.
0: Yeah. No. I I, I rode that thing across America, and, and uh, I, I you know it was a magical trip for me. I had Bruce Springsteen bl- blasting the whole way, and Born in the Run had just come out, and I, I was listening to that. My theme song became uh, No Surrender, no Su- no retreat. I got to Hollywood. And was a little overwhelmed with everything, and uh, you know, you just sort of stayed awake during the, you know, the the, the day, and, and you know, rode around at night. And found somewhere you thought was convenient. You could you you know close your eyes for a little bit, and eventually I worked my way into a, 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 an apartment building. a Real nice lady. She was kind of like my guardian angel. Rented me a furnished apartment, and I had enough cash to to get me in there, and. I'm leaving out some parts of my story.
1: That's okay. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> Editing on the run, I Editing think. Editing on the run. Yeah, yeah I don't want
0: to bore ahead. you with a lot of no, stuff, no. But, it, but, it, but I ended up working in a restaurant, and that restaurant, somebody uh, you know uh, asked me to audition for a play, and I did, and the next thing you know, I did a play, and then they saw me in the play, and they asked me to do a movie, and I got started with Roger Corman, The King of the B-Movies, and I, and I, and I had a place to live, and was waiting tables. Oh, Cool. That's how it happened, 1984.
1: All right, we're, so the restaurant you were discovered in, what was it?
0: Uh, I was called La Strega, 4th and Western, and, and, and I, I was discovered in it. That's, that's That sounds pretty <laughs> fancy. Let's put it this way. There was a guy producing a play, and he said, Hey, you look like you could do this part. Yeah, Will you come down and audition for this thing? We're doing this thing. And I said, Sure. And I went down there, and that's how it started.
1: A ringing endorsement, if I've ever heard one. There you go. go. (laughs) Everybody's
0: got a story. Well, the play was a hit, and it did get me recognized. And Roger Corman's the king of the B-movies. And my first movie was a biker film. So you can see how my life is, right? Yeah. Uh, Living in my car. Yeah. Living in my car. Bruce Springsteen movies uh i do a biker movie i'm good at stunts i was a former athlete so i'm good at stunts so i excelled and the next thing you know you know they i guess they thought i was uh, adequately uh good enough looking to uh to be the leading man of these low budget movies and uh i went from being a bad guy to a good guy to a bad guy to a good guy and finally got my sag card did another play and then i ended up with uh, james cameron and t2
1: and now you frequently play as quoted on IMDb corrupt, homicidal or unfriendly characters due to your uh, intense presence and cold blue eyes.
0: Jesus Christ, Randy, who writes that stuff? I know.
1: <laughs> which which make which got to make it easy for you to stand in line at the supermarket. You never have to stand in a long line ever. <laughs> <laughs>
0: well, if I walked around in character all the time, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> right yeah absolutely Absolutely. i don't know who writes that stuff you know anything and everything you get on the internet is not true Uh, somebody somebody said to me uh so you're a junior and i went i'm not a junior i don't know who started this rumor i'm robert patrick i'm not robert patrick jr but it's all over the internet that i'm a junior i'm not a junior
1: you don't look like a junior and i'm not going to get into an argument telling you you Uh, are
0: my tough guy my tough guy days are Clicking away, they're going away as time goes on.
1: There, there's something you're doing that I want to talk about here in a second. But sure. I, uh, last time we chatted, we uh, were talking about the celebrity race, mm. and I know you were getting ready, and I know it was it was an interesting practice session for you getting used to those uh, Toyota vehicles. Mm-hmm. You ended up finishing, and I actually had to look this up. You finished seventh overall, but you were third in the celebrity category. And uh, well, were, we're grand marshal the next year, but you finished pretty well in that uh, race, if, according to this.
0: Yeah, I, I well, I first. If you're not first, you're last, right? Yeah. I, uh, I should have done better. I could have done. I, could have done a lot better. Uh, I, am I'm, I'm not making excuses. I had one less day out on the track at uh, Willow Springs practicing than the rest of the riders, drivers, and I'm, I'm not again not making excuses, but it's true. And I think that, that that day, that extra day, full day, would have, I would have benefited from because I was just getting the knack of everything and really feeling like I had it. I was very confident that I had it, you know, all figured out how my, you know, what was going to be my game plan because there's a, there's a lot to work with. You've got, you know, not only how you want to be hitting curves, uh, how fast you can be hitting those, what gear you want to be in, how fast can you shift. You know, uh, the braking, you know, all that stuff, which makes it so much fun. And I think I could have used one more day, and I would—I I think I would have been a, a little bit more aggressive. I didn't want to wreck. Not because I was afraid of wrecking, but because I knew if you wrecked, you got no chance of winning. Mm-hmm. So uh, I, I wanted to find that edge. Let's, I want to be as aggressive as I possibly can and uh, still handle the car.
1: Bob, you got a question?
0: No, I, I'm just
1: but listening. I mean, I'm enjoying
2: it. I mean, this is this is great. Now, in Detroit, I also spent some time back in that area as well. Did, were you ever part of the car scene on
0: Woodward Boulevard? No, no, but, uh uh-huh. we would go down there every once in a while, but I not not like officially. No, uh-huh. yeah. And Woodward, no, I, you been back there th- lately, Bob? No, I no, I, I, well, I got back there. I
2: used to work for the general, and uh, we'd go back there for a meeting, and it just coincided with the Woodward Dream Cruise.
0: I got to tell you what Bob, Detroit seemed better days.:
2: Oh yeah, no, no question about that.
0: You know, it's something I, I think about a lot. I mean, I, I really love America as you do, as everybody does, and, and I, this whole buy American and support American businesses, uh, it's a big deal to me, and I, I don't know when we got away from that. And, uh, you know, it just tears me up to go see how run down Detroit is. When I was a kid, I lived there in the uh,
2: mid-60s and moved away. And I, I would go back. Like I said, I worked uh, uh, for one of the car companies back there, so I'd go back for meetings. And we were told specifically, don't go on this street. Don't go there. Uh, right. So it, it, it got banned. And it was, it's extremely sad to see because that was such a thriving
0: economy and city. Well, I don't. Want, I want to avoid politics at all cost on this conversation. But I will say that I love Detroit. I love Detroit muscle. Right now, I'm driving a. I have a 2015 Dodge Hellcat.
1: Oh, uh, you still have the Hellcat
0: Challenger. Still have that one. Still mm-hmm. love it. Cool. Only got 30,000 miles on it. I drive that, and I drive a, a 63. Oh, Randy, you would love this. Mm. I think since I saw you, Bob. You'd love this too. I found a. I was down at Conyers, Georgia, and I found a 66. GMC Custom Short Bed Pickup. Oh wow! Oh, yeah. And it's a rat truck. <laughs> cool!
1: <laughs> How cool is that?
0: It's a it's completely matte black. Uh, I had a hard time verifying the, the VIN numbers to get it registered in California. Got a three fifty in it, and uh, just a I just love bombing around in this thing. It's got a bench seat. I put in some aftermarket air conditioning.
1: How did that work? You
0: know, worked really great. I got a great guy that I found out in Santa Clarita near the near the dealership. Uh, uh, Gary um, at uh, Always On Time uh, RV Repair, but he also does a lot of restoration of old trucks and stuff out there. Mm-hmm. They did a fantastic job putting in. Uh, I believe it's a Camaro vintage air system. Mm.
1: Cool. I know I need I'd certainly need that stuff in my cars, that's for sure. Makes it a lot easier if you go to a show.
0: Yeah, well you guys got all you guys got all the high end uh cars you guys yeah, have all the money seen our cars,
1: No you got no. all you
0: got all, you got two fans and fans and the fan for the fan when the fan is on and
1: Oh he's talking engine bob
0: Yeah
1: oh <laughs> or maybe it is for us I don't remember Oh yeah <laughs> I got a wagon I keep people in the back just to cheer. For you. Yeah you got that's that. true
0: you got that yeah you got all that stuff you, your your engine's got two fans
1: <laughs> <laughs> And they send him letters all the time yes Yeah
0: well, back, back up the
2: boat. Yeah, okay, there we go. Oh, there. Oh, so what's your, what's, your, what's your favorite Harley?
0: Well, right now, I am in love with two. Mm-hmm. The brand-new 2020 Lowrider S, which is, it looks like a, well, it's a, it's a soft tail with a 114 from the factory. And it's just a badass throwback. uh motorcycle uh, it looks a lot like, uh, well, I had a 2015, I still have a 2015 Lowrider S that was a Dyna, so you can imagine that's mm-hmm. you know, kind of the look. It's a great club bike. It's a beautiful bike. I love that. And then I'm also in love with the uh, Livewire, which is hmm. the electric bike. And um, I got to tell you, I, I love internal combustion and fire and explosion and air and all that stuff. But, you know, these... These electric Teslas are cool. And to have a motorcycle that can do zero to 60 in three seconds with a twist of a throttle and no clutch and, you know, no sound, and it's just all torque.
1: But the no sound thing, a yeah. lot of people have issues with no sound. It
0: just makes it more dangerous. No. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Which is what we want, right? <laughs> uh, yeah. We yeah. want the
1: adrenaline, right? Sure. Then what do we get from
0: riding. I mean, you don't get on a motorcycle and go, oh, yeah, well, all
1: right. You know what? When- Remember when we were kids and they would always sit there and, huh, we were kids, they'd always have that little thing on your bicycle you would be able to put on, the thing that sounds like a motorcycle? Right, right, right. <laughs> and makes... Baseball cards in the spokes. That's what I did too, Bob. Yeah. <laughs> I worry when you have a motorcycle that we have to put some batteries in to make sure people know we're there, you know, or putting baseball cards in your spokes.
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: Can you imagine that? Yeah.
0: The interesting thing, and
1: I love the the motorcycle is incredible.
0: Uh, engineering uh, the the harley davidson right now the motorcycles that are coming out of the motor company are the best bikes they've ever built the engineering everything going into it all uh, you know the, the styling everything it's just the best motorcycles they've ever made and this live wire um it's just fantastic what they've done and they they really did a lot of work researching it and the, the whole feel of it um the maneuverability, just the, the the whole way you feel when you're on it, uh, you sit in an upright position, you're not over it. Um, it. It maneuverability, it's just fantastic feeling, and and not having to worry about the clutch and all that, and doing all that shifting, it's kind of fun. It's a different experience. You don't have that sound, so it's really quiet, and uh, you know I can't wait to split lanes in Los Angeles because people <laughs> aren't going to be able to hear me coming, and it's just going to be this whoosh. <laughs> <laughs> As I go flying by at 100 miles an hour, no, yeah, I won't, I won't yeah, put yeah. on. No,
1: of course not. No, of course not. You would I never would do never that. do that. No, of course not. No. No, that, least, would, that would not be good. Not without a camera crew trailing you, so that way you have <laughs> your excuse. <laughs> <laughs> you
0: know, well, the, well, great, the great thing about the state of California, one of the few great things about the state of California, besides the weather and the geography, The topography of the of the state is the fact that they allow motorcycles to split lanes. Yeah, yeah. And I got to tell you, when you're trying to go to the studio and you got a call time and you're going through rush hour traffic, you got to go across town. When you can split lanes, because our every freeway around Los Angeles is always gridlocked.
2: Yeah, it's parking lot with the you know you take a number of getting on the freeway on ramp.
0: Bob, Randy, let me ask you something. Seriously. You know, we talk about all the horsepower. We talk about all these cars and all this stuff, and everybody has a sexy car in Los Angeles. But the, all these sexy cars with all this horsepower, they're basically averaging what? 10 miles an hour?
1: Oh.
2: Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. Randy and I did a car show down in Palm Desert, and we left Burbank at, what, 1.30 in the afternoon and arrived at 7? Yeah. Oh, my yeah. God. Yeah. We were first and second gear all the way down. Yeah. <laughs>
0: It's just like, you know, what's the point?
1: I mean... That's what I was thinking of, especially I ended up getting a Challenger down the line. I only got an RT with a shaker, but the reason I got that was because everybody said you got you have to get the Demon, you have to get yeah. you know, the Hellcat. And I went, "Well, what what's the In fact, the the story I've told from time to time is we were at a restaurant once and a guy in the next booth when I was talking with my wife about whether or not to get which Challenger, a guy comes around and he says, "Hey, I've got a Challenger, and we took it out to this place in Texas, Hennessy, I think it was, and they made it into an 1,100-horsepower um, Challenger. Wow. And I said, what are you going to do with that? He says, I'll drive it. And I said, what? And get stuck in the 405 at uh, rush hour? What? What's the point of that?
0: Yeah, I, I you know, everybody... It says that to me like you got, and I only have the 707 horsepower version. Everybody goes like, well, what, where do where do you get to use it? Well, I don't. <laughs> I don't want to report where I use it when I get to use it, but the occasions do arise. But, but for the most part, if you're using it as a daily commuter, you're not going to get to really use it. I guess, Randy, uh, Bob, both you guys, it's the the knowledge that we have it. I guess is what we like. Like,
2: yeah, you don't have you don't have to use it. You know you've got it. When yeah. someone comes alongside and throws your rev and looks at you, you go yeah, go ahead, Bunky. I know I got you.
0: <laughs> but do you engage with those people anymore that throw your rev? I mean, really? No, I
2: mean, not anymore. Now okay. I know I can beat them, so it's not it's not a problem. It's like <laughs> that.
1: It's like that commercial where the guy's going, "You ready?
0: You ready? You ready to go? You know? Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I'm ready to go. <laughs> I, I don't engage yeah. with any
0: drivers out there. Nah. I, I don't, I'm too scared. No. You know, or, Los Angeles. No. Bunch of crazy people,
1: Robert. All you have to do is look at it with your intense presence and cold blue eyes.
0: Yeah, a lot of good that does. A lot of good that does.
1: I'm going to kill you with these blue eyes.
0: There you
2: go. Yeah. Well, you know, you got to bring your challenger out to Irwindale one Thursday night and see what it'll do on the track.
0: Well, you know what, uh, Bob? Uh, my buddy uh, Sam Maloof is out there quite a bit with his daughter. Sammy, yeah, I, I harass him on a regular basis. He is a he's a wonderful man. Uh, and his daughter's out there racing now. Yeah, I, yeah Hot Rod Hanna. Yeah. Hot Rod Hanna. I love uh, – I I went out there once with him in a Camaro that he built for me that I no longer have, but uh, it was a 800-and-some-odd horsepower. Uh, yeah. 60 – oh, God, what was this?
1: You told me it was a 67? 67, with yeah. With a Merlin yeah. engine?
0: Yeah, it had a Merlin crate engine. It was just oh. insane. Mm-hmm. Just insane. I love that car. But – I went out there with him once with that, and we had a hoot out there. I Yeah, I'm just so busy, Bob.
1: Before we talk about uh, what you did for uh, the recent National POW MIA uh, Day, which was which was really good, I, I did want to um, check out—what uh, did I want to check out here? As you can tell, Robert, we, uh, we're innovating. highly professional here. You've been doing all these interesting things, and I happen to notice uh, in your IMDb file uh-huh. you have like five or six things that are yet to come, which is pretty awesome. Right. Including something about Perry Mason. Are they bringing that back?
0: Oh yeah. Oh, let me. I'm gonna have to get on this IMDb thing and see what you're seeing. Um, Perry Mason is. Uh, uh, but you're Robert. a busy guy. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm. I'm very blessed. I, I really am. I'm very grateful to be working, and and I love. I love the craft of acting. It's it's been wonderful for me. Perry Mason is being produced by Robert Downey Jr. and his wife Susan, for HBO. Uh, the showrunner is Timothy Van Patten, who you may or may not know, uh, who uh, uh, directed uh, the Sopranos and. The Pacific, The War in the Pacific, uh, Boardwalk Empire. He's done a lot. He's an amazing guy. He's directing the first block. Um, Matthew Reese from The Americans, uh, award-winning, uh, nominated for a lot of things. Uh, he's Perry Mason. Jonathan Lithgow is in the, in the uh, show. Uh, wow. He plays E.B. We have... Uh, uh, Juliet uh, Ryman is playing Della. We've got Lil Taylors in this. Um, quite a few people. And it's set in 1930s Los Angeles, so we've got all these old mm. cars. You guys would be going bananas over. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, we've got the old cars, and, and, and they're shooting LA, in L.A. to look like 1930s, so very specific locations. It's been fun. I've been finding some buildings and places that I never even knew existed in Los Angeles and uh, that we're using for exteriors and interiors. It's a lot of fun. We're going to be shooting that until January February. And then I'm running off to go do a movie in Jersey this week uh, with Saban Fallon Combs, who was my sister in Strip She also did some stuff in, uh, in Scorpion. She wrote a script that's uh, called The Frat Haze, and it's about fraternity... Uh, uh, hazing involving alcohol and all the alcohol related deaths mm. that have happened um, with, you know, just making kids drink deadly amounts of alcohol. Yeah. Uh, it's a real, I don't know how to word it, it's a real crisis, I guess, uh, going on on these universities.
1: Me, I would have just overdosed on Taco Bell. That, that would have been it for me.
0: Yeah, yeah. yeah then there Got would it. have been an investigation. Yeah. That would have been and... it. I, uh, but we're doing that. We're doing that movie, and then uh, I've got the Laundromat's coming out with. Now I'm on the movie tangent. I've got the Laundromat coming out with Gary Oldman and Meryl Streep, directed by Steve wow. so- Soderbergh, uh, Antonio Banderos, uh, David Schwimmer. Um, wow. A lot of people in that movie.
1: See, he's a busy guy. That's a good thing. Absolutely. Well, okay, so recently it was uh, the National POW MIA Recognition Day. It's the third Friday of September. Tell me about what your connection is and what you did on that day. Okay, well, my connection is I come from an Army family.
0: Uh, my grandfather was a lieutenant colonel. He died during Vietnam at Fort Bragg, but he had served in World War One, World War Two, Korea, and was still active duty in 1963. He passed away of cancer. So, but when I was a kid growing up, I idolized my grandfather. And then, of course, the Vietnam War came around, and and you know the, the way that, that these guys were mistreated by our our country and our our people when they came home and called baby killers and uh, you know, they weren't welcome back, and uh, they were, they were kind of made out to be these bad guys. Well, I've gotten to know these guys over the years from Harley-Davidson and uh, my rides cross-country on my Harley-Davidson, and I would go to Rolling Thunder at Memorial Day in Washington, D.C., and I got to know these guys. I got to listen to the story and listen to it from their point of view. And I, I've, I have so much uh, sympathy and empathy for them and their families, uh, this particular generation of, of, of men and women that went off and, and served our country. And that has sort of rolled into, you know, after being on the unit uh, playing uh, a colonel, a fictional Delta Force, I've done all these USO tours and everything, so I've gotten to go over to Iraq and Afghanistan and been doing that since 2006. So anyway, I've just become super aware of the veteran and veterans' issues as a citizen. And I find myself in a position time and time again where I can do something to recognize them, and I take full advantage of that. POWMI Recognition Day. Well, what? why do we need to continue to recognize the prisoner of war and mission in action? We do because we can never forget that we had forgotten them before. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. It was the veterans that came back from Vietnam that said, hey, you know, my buddies are back there. And you're not even welcoming me home, but are you, are you going to go back and get my buddy that's a prisoner of war? Because he's still there. And the country, they didn't respond. So these guys got on their Harleys and they went to Washington, D.C., and they started having these demonstrations and, and really started making sure the federal government heard them say, we know our buddies are back there. Go get them. So finally, Jimmy Carter, in 1979, he was forced to uh, recognize POW and MIA, and he he chose uh, the third uh, Friday of every September. And it started this whole awareness of we've got to go back and find the remains. We've got to bring closure for the families. We've got to uh, do whatever we can to, to, uh, you know, uh, find the remains, find out what happened give these families something. And so um, Harley's had a big part of that. Harley-Davidson is uh, the vehicle of choice that these guys ride into uh, Washington, D.C. on. When I got the dealership, uh, it's been a year, August, I let Oliver know that, you know, P O W M I A Day is coming up, and I'd like to recognize them and all the veterans and let that be a symbol for all veterans that uh, – you know, we are aware of their sacrifice, and I'd like to put it in on the showroom floor and let it be there as a permanent fixture. And uh, my buddies from Rolling Thunder came in from Jersey and Philadelphia, and uh, we came in and we dedicated this chair of honor. And these chairs of honors are popping up all over at sporting events and stadiums, and they're installing them just to, to be a constant reminder of, uh, of, of those that never made it back. Because, uh, again, the federal government used to just let that happen. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they chose not to acknowledge. And the Vietnam veterans made them.
1: People are listening right now, and I'm wondering uh, if somebody wants to do something more, what could they do?
0: Well, the, the uh, Rolling Thunder, which I am not a part of their organization per se, uh, I am am um, a person that participates on the outside through their events, but RollingThunderCharities.com does stuff year round for the veterans. Uh, their major function is to publicize the POWMIA issue. They want to educate the public of the fact that many American prisoners of war were left behind after all past wars to help correct the past and protect the future veterans from being left behind should they become prisoners of war missing in action and so they're committed to helping the american veterans now from all wars
1: if you'd like to make a call please hang up and file again if you need help bob did i lose
0: your operator
1: bob i think we lost bob (laughs) you there oops
0: one ringy dingy.
2: <laughs> there we go.
0: <laughs> Bob?
2: I, I had a telemarketer
0: call, and it hung me up. Sure. Are you kidding me? A robot? Seriously? Oh. Yeah.
1: yeah. A, a robo-caller screwed this up? Well, That's you miss right.
0: you missed my whole spiel.
1: Yeah, he has to start all over again now. No. <laughs> no. You
0: know, I, 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 I wanted to say thank you
2: for that, too, because my dad was a POW in World War II. Isn't and, that amazing? And never got any recognition that I'm aware of.
0: Well, you know, and, and they deserve the recognition for being prisoners of war, but also those that never made it back that became missing in action. And that's that, that's that thing that these guys are, are – they don't want people to forget about that. Hey, I'll talk to, uh, you know, my Vietnam vet buddies that went over there say, you know, when I was in combat and I was over there, my number one fear wasn't getting killed. My number one fear was being taken prisoner. That's what they were concerned with. Mm-hmm. You know, they they wanted to do their job, but good Lord, they did not want to be taken captive. You know, that, that was a tough time, and
2: uh, I, I was 18 years old over there.
0: And yeah. It's just, it
2: just scary. You You're scared 24 hours a day, seven days a week. It didn't Bob, I'm so what
0: your glad I did not realize you were a veteran, and I apologize.
2: Yeah. Oh, uh, that's not a problem. It's not something I, I really publicized that much for the same reasons you've talked about. When we came back, we were not accepted. Yeah, we were we were shunned, and uh, so I, I don't I don't talk about it. But it, it, it was something you're scared from the time you get off the plane and you arrive until the day you until the moment you land going home. Oh my God. And, and the plane just breaks out in cheers.
0: Yeah, and the relief you must have. The guys that I talked to that were over there, that were they were happy to be helping the South Vietnamese. They were committed to the job that they were asked to do. They wanted to be there to help the South Vietnamese, a lot of them that I talked to, which is why they couldn't understand why they were mistreated when they were coming back. Did they want to be there? No, but at least they found happiness in the sense that they were trying to give freedom to the South Vietnamese. Mm-hmm. And I had never heard that. You know, I'd I'd, I'd always heard what I'd heard on black and white TV, which makes you suspect of the media. You know, who was fanning the flames of of the anti-war movement? Yeah. I don't know. The whole thing, you look at it as an armchair quarterback, you know, was it right that Kennedy and Eisenhower committed the troops? Was it really, you know, they were afraid of communism? Was that really the you know what, what the the reason to be there? They were worried about the domino effect. Was that a real worry? I guess it was back then. It's easy for us to sit back now and look at it and go like, you know, I don't understand why they committed the troops, but they did.
1: Mm-hmm. No, right? Absolutely.
0: Yeah. Yeah. In hindsight, we can do that, but when you're in the moment, you're going, "My God, what do we do?" You know? Right. Uh, we we did what we were told to do. And you, well, yeah, from your point of view. You wow. did. And that's, see, Bob and Randy, that's the, thing that, that's the thing that has really brought me to this more than anything, is because I've got to know these guys. And that's what they said. We were yep. doing what we were told to do. We were doing what we were supposed to do. Uh, we were doing it for our country. And then to be betrayed when we came back, that's what mm-hmm. bothers me more than anything. How can you hold 18-year-old boys accountable for um, you know the the war like the protesters why why are you holding it against these guys
1: mhm
0: they didn't have a choice.
1: Because they couldn't get to the decision-makers. And I'm not saying that's right, but, you know, that's kind of the logic they were going with at the time.
0: Well, you know, Randy, that makes a lot of sense. And I've never really – I get so emotionally charged up about this that I, I don't kind of see it the way you do. But logically, yeah, you're right. They couldn't get anywhere. So they did—they demonstrated the way they could. And um, the, the interesting thing is, is the Rolling Thunder guys uh, – they, they demonstrated the way they could when they got back for the prisoners of war in the mm-hmm. mia and the result is rolling thunder that is not a parade that is a demonstration yeah that's not you know a million people getting there and having a happy memorial day that's a million people getting there riding from the Pentagon parking lot to the to the uh the reflective pool to demonstrate mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and that's where you can go down and say welcome home and they're getting their welcome home now, you know. But uh, but it's all over.
1: Let me segue to the return of the Love Ride, which comes up November 10th. November 10th.
0: That'll be the next thing. You can go to the loveride.com website, I believe, something like that. Uh, you can go to Harley Davidson of Santa Clarita website. It could direct you there. You can go to Harley Davidson of Glendale. Uh, it will direct you there. But it has yeah. its own website as well, Love Ride. The Love Ride.
1: Love Ride. It's on awesome. Facebook as well.
0: And it's on – is it on Facebook?
2: Yeah, I just noticed it, and I just reposted it. Oh, See, Bob,
1: you. you work quickly. No, Bob, you're <laughs>
2: the man. These fast fingers, I mean, I'll tell you what, yeah.
1: <laughs> you're the man, baby. Robert Patrick, thank you so much for joining us here on Talking About Cars. And we will uh, – Um, we will keep an eye out for you and Perry Mason and all those other cool shows you're going to be involved in.
0: Yeah, next up Laundromat and, um, and then Perry Mason sometime next year. And I love talking about cars with you, and I'd love to talk to you again. So I'll try to get busy and go out and get me another car.
1: Absolutely. Okay. Absolutely. <laughs> Actor Robert Patrick and my occasional co-host, Hot Rod Bob Beck. Subscribe to all of our new podcasts here on radio.com, KNX1070.com, or if you're listening on Apple Podcasts, subscribe to us, rate us five stars, and please write a review. And if you want to sponsor an episode or seven of Talking About Cars, hey, reach out to us, talk to us at Talking About Cars at Gmail. Dot com Our website, TalkingAboutCars.net, where I include some extra behind-the-scenes flavor to some of these interviews. And make sure you follow us on social media. We're on Facebook, Twitter, which is at TalkNAboutCars, and Instagram, where we're just talking about cars. And check out Bob on his daily morning gas show on Facebook. 11 a.m. Pacific Time. Just go to his Bob back page. Until next time, I'm Randy Cardoon. Join me as we have some fun talking about cars and occasionally other stuff.